everyone, and welcome back to Industrial Theory. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. I hope you're having a fantastic and safe week. I am excited to see up my guest today, Mr. Lance McKay. Lance is the Business Development Manager of Industrial Services for CleanAway, uh, which is an Australian-based industrial cleaning contractor. He's also a board member of Ausjet. Ausjet is the Safety Association for Industrial Cleaning Activities uh, for Australia and New Zealand. He's been on that board for three years. I also have the pleasure of working with him on the steering committee for the Global Industrial Cleaning Coalition, the GICC, where we have partnered on creating the basic principles for industrial cleaning applications. So Lance and I talk about Ausjet and the GICC and the ways that the two organizations are driving the industry forward and he'll talk a little bit about what's been happening in the Australian and New Zealand industrial cleaning markets as well. Hold tight and I'll be right back with Lance. All right, I'm back with Lance McKay. Lance, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Glad to be a part of the Industrial Theory Podcast. Yes, I know, I know. We've talked about this a long time, so I'm so glad to have you on the show. And we were going to talk about the exciting OzJet event, which has now been canceled, and we'll dive into that a little bit. So we're pivoting and uh, going to have a fun conversation nonetheless. <laughs> Very good. Why don't you tell us about yourself, um, how long you've been in the industry, what you do, etc. Yeah, okay. So I um, got into the industrial services industry in 1997 as a high-pressure water jetting operator and then um, in a uh, alumina refinery in Western Australia. And then I've just sort of worked through the ranks since then in different roles in operations, supervisory management roles, and now I'm in a business development role that sees me um, working in the sort of mining, oil and gas sectors. Joined the board of Ausjet three years ago and then got on board with the GICC steering committee uh, nearly two years ago now. So, yeah, that's sort of me. I've worked across different states in Australia, and uh, it's a great industry to be in, and we're sort of really trying to promote it more, make it more mainstream. So as you have you know, started at the operator level and worked your way uh, up through the ranks, as you said, what's been the most interesting change that you've seen um, in the industry overall in your years of experience? Uh, the safety side of it, it has been really good. At the start of it, we would, if we were gun blasting, we'd have a, you know, a rain suit on and things like that. But now, you know, we, we wear Kevlar. And then also the, um, the degree of automation that's come in as well, that's, that's really helped out. Robotic machinery has been good in the industrial cleaning industry. And there's been a lot of growth in that over the last 20 years as well. And how has the industrial cleaning industry in Australia and New Zealand been affected by COVID? Um, it, it really hasn't too much. There has been some growth in there just because a lot of the Ausjet members and CleanAway who I work for have been classified as an essential business, supporting essential services in government, mining, infrastructure projects, oil and gas sectors. Uh, so to keep those industries running, it was um, our members were considered uh, essential to that. So it's sort of had to change the way they do things as far as social distancing and travel and things like that. Uh, operationally, there's been some changes, but across the board, it's, it hasn't been too bad at all compared to 
sort of retail or restaurant businesses and things like that? So that's really great. I think it's very similar uh, to the U.S. and and other industry or other uh, regions of the world. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you are facing within Australia and New Zealand? Some of the biggest challenges, I think, is getting into mainstream, you know, people knowing more about the industry. And so we're sort of busily trying to promote the industry and attract more people to it. If you talk to any of the Ausjet members, it's they're always looking for operators. So it's, you know, uh, we're trying to make it, you know, something that's promoted in schools and think that that's the, the long goal, something that's promoted in schools and, you know, trade, trade schools and things like that and make it more of a formalised training so people are exposed to it early and can see it as a career path. That, that's sort of one of the main challenges at the moment. Yeah, it's so interesting. No matter where you go in the world, this is the biggest challenge. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a, such a common answer. And I completely agree with you. I think one of the best things that we could do as an industry is have hydrojetting be classified as a craftsman trade and have specific training yeah. around it. And so, and of course you share that passion and we talk a lot about it on the GICC steering committee, but what are some of the things that you're doing to put that into motion in Australia? Uh, so yeah, I was just starting to chat with um, trade schools and things like that. And the conference was gonna be something that kicked that off where we we're gonna have students from those schools come and uh, visit the conference for free and see what see what it's all about and see all the cool machinery and things like that that they get to play with and so that's sort of been put on the back burner for 12 months the conference but yeah we're still trying to promote within um, trade schools and we're changing our training class we're looking at tra trying to change our training classifications this year into a a Cert 3 or a Cert 4, which is more widely recognised in Australia for Cert 4 for water blasting, Cert 4 for vacuum loading or we might just roll it into one and it'd be a step four for industrial services so yeah, there's some of the things we're trying and that makes it more more recognized and then companies have greater access to training funds from different government organizations and things like that so that helps them out you know training their employees I think that makes a lot of sense and it's great to see you leading the charge there with Ausjet. So tell us a little bit more about Ausjet. So I think we have a lot of listeners who probably aren't familiar with the organization. So can you give a brief uh, history of what it does? Uh, um, so yeah, Ausjet is the uh, peak national services, national industrial services uh, representative body across Australia and New Zealand. It was initially formed in 1991 um, with a few companies got together and they were, con they were concerned about safety and um, standards within the industry. At the time, I think there was five companies that that formed, and from there, it's sort of growing. It sort of formed in Western Australia, and then it sort of grew to be a national organisation, and then it then we got members from New Zealand as well. So it's, the standards for Australia and New Zealand were the same, so that's why it goes across Australasia. Um, it now has, I think, ninety members. And, and growing and we're um, in, in the process of trying to be tr trying to make the organization better for our members you know m make it work for them um, making sure they're getting bang for their buck on, on being a member and you know trying to lobby governments for different things and, and funding and making it easier for members to win work and things of that nature. 
And so is that what part of the vision of the expo and conference was? And maybe tell us a little bit about what your plan was and, and how you're regrouping over after having to cancel it. Yeah, well, that was a big part of, I don't know, 2020. I think everyone was getting a bit fatigued from Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and things like that. So it was, everyone was looking forward to getting back and doing some networking face-to-face -face and, you know, rubbing shoulders. So that, that was going to be a large part of the conference. The exhibitions, the exhibitors were keen to show their wares, their products, um, the live demonstrations was a really big part of why people got involved. That that was a real selling point. So it it was going to be like a, a coming together after a pretty tough year of everyone getting together and yeah, you know, just and it was industry focused. It wasn't like a a water industry event with water jetting and vacuum tagged onto the to the back of it. It was a industrial services industry focused event that was going to bring everyone together. Unfortunately, with some local travel restrictions and a couple of outbreaks of COVID-19 through Christmas, we just couldn't guarantee that everyone from the country would be able to attend without having to hotel quarantine and things like that. So, um, and then so some of those exhibitors and people that were doing the live demonstrations weren't from Melbourne, so where the conference was going to be held. So then, you know, potentially they couldn't make it, and there was just very little confidence that everyone who wanted to attend would be able to attend. So we always said that by mid-January we'd make the tough decision on whether we can go or no-go, and unfortunately it was a no-go. Um, six weeks out, it was just no confidence that everyone could attend that wanted to attend. Yeah, that makes it unfeasible. Uh, I mean, COVID in Australia is largely um, quite good, but the states are very tough with um, with border closures if there's a, a small breakout. So borders get closed within days, and you know then then they need to do 28 days of no community outbreak before um, they reopen. So it's just too much of a, a balancing juggling act to uh, to make the call to go ahead. And you're not doing your exhibitors and sponsors you know any any good by only having a certain amount of people that can attend. So. They're not getting their, their bang for the dollar, so it was, and everyone was sort of on board and understood the reasons why, all the sponsors and exhibitors, so, and I'm quite certain that they've all recommitted to uh, going again in 2022. So will it be held kind of the same time, March 2022? At this stage, yeah, we're thinking March, yeah. I know how hard it is to make those decisions. I remember last year when the WJTA Board of Directors was trying to make the call, and we were so early in the pandemic. It was, I think we were, we had to make a decision by like early June and for November, it's like, oh, what is it gonna be like? And we 100% made the right call. There's no doubt in hindsight is 2020, of course, but it was so painful. It was such a brutal decision to have to make. Uh, yeah. and, and so I understand that pain, especially with the stress of it being only six weeks out instead of six months out. And I think I read um, the facility where the WJTA holiday conference is was made into a mobile hospital or something, I believe. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. New Orleans was one of the first uh, cities that was hit really hard here in the U.S. And so, yes, they had to make uh, the convention center and I believe the football stadium um, into makeshift hospitals when things were really bad there. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a good call, but at the time, you just didn't know what was going to happen. 
<laughs> well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that by 2022 we're through this and you can have your conference. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And um, the WAJTA is still looking to do it in New, New Orleans this year? That's the plan so far, and and you know, we're we're starting preliminary planning for it, and but we're keeping flexible, and we'll see how things start to play out uh, this spring, and I'm sure we'll be having lots of conversations about it to make the best decision. You know, our number one most important um, priority is keeping everybody safe and healthy. So, yeah. you know, when we keep that at the forefront, and then say what do we do after that. Um, you know, we might be forced to make a tough decision, but fingers crossed we don't have to and we're in a better spot than, than where yeah. we are right now. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, what OzJet does to promote the advancement of safe water jetting and use of automation. Um, yeah, I mean, OzJet would love to see the water jetting industry go fully automated. Um, taking people away from the, the sharp end is sort of the end goal for a lot of, a lot of um, companies. We also understands there's some restraints and cost, cost in doing that, and uh, in particular applications. And also, it's uh, we're trying to trying to make asset owners and tier one contractors more aware of the benefits of automation, um, the cost benefits. It may cost a little bit more to start with, but you'll find over time the job done quicker, things like that. So that, that's, I guess it's a uh, information trying to get out there the um, the benefits of it. The, also, it's it's um, saves people from, you know, jackhammering takes takes people away yeah, from uh, injuries through jackhammering, things like that. You know, if, if we can, if it can be done with water, then that's what we're trying to promote. Yeah, it's just getting information out there and, and teaching people the benefits. Yeah, so that's a big part of uh, what the WJTA does. And of course, the GICC is getting asset owners involved. How has the response from uh, facility owners in Australia been towards the use of automation? Are, are they are they open to it? Are they interested in learning more, or is it still a little bit of a struggle? Uh, certainly open to it. That's for sure. But it, we really have to sell the um, the cost factor. And if it are on a shutdown or a turnaround, and it might bring it in twelve hours earlier, then you know you really need to demonstrate that to them for it to uh, to go ahead so it, it's it, it is changing it is moving and in the right direction it it's a slow burn but it's we're, we're getting there i think and it um all, all mining companies and infrastructure projects uh, are measured on injuries and return to work so you know that, that's a big push as well the safety side of it as well as the production side then um then it, it's a two big ticks Absolutely. Yeah. And the safety and productivity piece go hand in hand. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So what's more of a long-term vision for OzJet? What does OzJet look like in five years? Well, we're always trying to grow our membership, um, participate and champion the benefits of water jetting and vacuum loading within the industry. So, and more, I think more campaigning as well, you know, trying to campaign and lobby different governments for, for the, um, the betterment of, of the industry. Um, so really no set five-year plan, but it's really about more interaction with members, grow the membership, and um, be seen to be doing more for our members as well. Um, and that's promoting them, campaigning the industry, and uh, getting 
getting spreading the word and and also what we talked about earlier with the training as well trying to promote that promote the industry as a viable career and does Austin have a specific um, training and certification program that helps contractors be able to get their guys certified yeah so here we have a um, an operator assistant and then an operator course so an operator assistant is the entry level which teaches you about the pump um, some how to set up a job things like that and some basic water jetting skills and then the operator is has done 120 hours of the operator assistance course and then uh, then they can do the operator training and then that's more about um, you know different applications how to do the job the permit side of it things like that so it depending on the application whether it be gun work or automated work or tank heads or pipe work it's they need to be deemed competent in all those different aspects, and and then they're uh, they uh, lead the crew that run that job. And uh, and do you do like a hands-on uh, practical training portion uh, as well uh, as a more of a computer-based or testing knowledge uh, program? No, the, the, all the courses are classroom um, with an instructor, so it's half half practical, half theory. Um, yeah, so you do the theory first and then you get out on a, on a simulated job and yeah. put into practice what you've just learned. That's good. That's important. Yeah. All right, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the GICC. So why did Ozjet decide to uh, join the GICC? Well, the GICC's mantra is about uh, safety, really, saving lives, and we wanted to get on board with that. We, we believe our safety record here is quite good. And we wanted to share what we do and obviously see what else happens in the world as well. Um, you know, water jetting in Europe and, and North America has been going on for a long time and there's a lot of different theories out there and different ways to do things that you know we may not have thought of. But mainly it was around the safety and seeing different areas of the world come on and their standard of safety and, you know, that was the main the main reason is to um, share knowledge and um, join the uh, the safety push that creates standards for, for everyone, you know, viable standards that they can work to and keep their people safe. Absolutely. It's been great having you on the steering committee and participating and great, full of great ideas and help. What would you personally like to achieve with uh, with your interaction and participation in the GICC? Uh, that, that's a tough question, Kerry. Um, I personally, I would like to see probably us setting up another water jetting association somewhere that doesn't have it, uh, you know, being an active part in that. And you're probably closer to it. You have more contact in the Middle East and things like that, um, where I believe that happened last year, didn't it, with Anabib? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think being involved in something like that would be quite fulfilling, I think. Yeah, it's good to be able to help areas of the world who are doing the same type of work but don't have any uh, standards, associations, organizations that help pull people together where you can yeah. learn from them, like you said. So I'm with you. If we can help uh, some of these these other countries who don't have safety associations create them, then we've done our job. Yeah, yeah. All right. And uh, in closing, what's the best piece of advice that you can give to our fellow industry mates about safe water jetting and the industrial cleaning uh, practices? Uh, best piece of advice um, would be to, well, we see a lot of shortcuts out there in the industry. So it would be to follow procedures and 
follow them correctly. The shortcut, the quickest way is not all the best way, always the best way. And so if you follow procedures, then less likely to have accidents. That is brilliant. The best piece of advice that anybody has given on this show. Wow. <laughs> it yeah. is a sip, but it's the heart of what we do. I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how can people find you and how can people find Ozjet? Uh, yeah, so Ozjet uh, is au, uh, uh, and they're also on LinkedIn. I'm also on LinkedIn as well, and Ozjet's also on Facebook, on all the socials, and through the GICC website as well. Great. And is Ozjet looking for um, for international members as well as domestic members in Australia? Yeah, we do have some international members, some American, uh, some Italian as well. So yeah, we're always open to share opportunities with international members, definitely. Great. Excellent. All right, well, Lance, thank you so much for coming on the show today and giving us some insight into the Australian market uh, and sharing your experiences. We very much appreciate it. Thank you, Kerry. Thanks for having me, and hopefully it's been insightful. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, everybody, hang tight, and we'll be right back. All right, I'm back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lance and getting to understand a little bit more about the industrial cleaning market in Australia. We don't often hear about the things that they're doing down there. And so it's great to be able to share some of the stories and, and, and successes that they've been working on. And it always amazes me how similar the problems are around the world. It doesn't matter where you live, where you work, we're all experiencing challenges with safety, automation, workforce, things like of that nature. Well, that's a wrap for this episode and I look forward to hosting you again. Please subscribe and rate uh, and I always love your feedback. Thanks so much. Take care.